broken and beaten, our heroes are scattered. Lost and alone, their hopes are all tattered. Their home has been conquered, but their fight is not done. They must mount a strong defense while still on the run. Their task will be hard, but still they must try. So sit back and observe. The Beholder's Eye! One, two, one, two, three, four. Six months. Six months since you saw one of your best friends die. For the record, they are not my best friends. I consider Chirp <laughs> a very good friend, and I have a grudging respect for Boris. The rest of them can fuck off. Okay, so six months since you saw the person you probably have more respect for anybody else <laughs> than anybody else in this world yeah, die. I'll give, I'll give you that. Uh, six months since you and your friends were defeated completely. Probably one of the first real bad defeats of Swifty's life, I would guess. Yeah, he did not take it well. But it was six months ago that you were knocked unconscious, shortly after watching Chirp die. And when you when you came to consciousness again, you were in a, what seems to be kind of makeshift cell. A makeshift cell that is made up of iron bars lashed together and hastily kind of constructed with bits of leather and chain and things like that. So everything's kind of rattly, but it it seems to, you know, upon inspection, hold. And as you kind of come to yourself and look around, you notice that you're in a cell by yourself, but all of these cells are connected, you know, just one right next to each other with just a bar wall in between. And uh, you can see on one side of you, there is a kind of squat dwarven man, uh, red hair, big red bushy beard. Uh, and he's kind of just sitting in one of, one of the corners of his cell, rocking back and forth and kind of hugging his knees and looking around. His eyes are darting around quickly and he looks, he looks a bit scared. Uh, on the other side of you, there is a very smug looking elven man um jet black hair combed back nice and tight into a short ponytail on the back of his head uh very severe features and he's just kind of leaning up against one wall um not really paying attention to you not really paying attention to anybody just kind of looking off in the distance um but you can see on either side of them rows and rows of cages that have all kind of been stuck together and you can see that they they kind of curve off as you look 
into the distance and it seems like their back walls are to this circular wooden building uh, that also seems to have been put up pretty quickly as you're you're coming to your surroundings you realize it's early morning and you you don't really have any sense of how much time has passed since shit was going down knocked out and woke up but the the dwarf in the cell next to you kind of says well you're finally awake little dwarf what year is it i mean the it it's the same year it's been for the last three months um are you wait are you asking me it's the year 2277 of our great dwarven lord okay i was worried about the time travel um oh okay where are we well as you can see we're we're in a bit of a bind here um are my hands bound or anything like that no we're we've all been captured by the uh by the church they call themselves um at least as far as we've been able to tell um we've been here for about three days you've been you've been out cold that whole time i had a mountain fall on my head no you were just snapped unconscious yeah well swifty's not exactly a truth teller roll with it good point okay uh this is wow that's quite a thing to have happen to a it a takes a lot to kill the swift e um as as far as i can tell um they're going to have us uh fight for their pleasure i'm really trying not to escape but like it's a raggedy makeshift cell and i breathe acid uh, so go ahead and do you want to like start checking out your cell like mess with it and yeah i'd like to, try to start test shaking the bars and make a commotion okay. i don't want to reveal the acid breath yet but i'm making enough noise to draw attention okay uh you go up to the bars and you start to to grab them and shake them a bit and as you do there is a ripple of magical energy uh and you are electrocuted pretty good uh for like three damage these bars are shocky Oh yeah, I, I I mean if you had just asked me, I could have told you that. Um, I I would be careful trying to you know get out of here because the last guy and he points over his shoulder to the cell next to him, and you can see just kind of a uh, a lifeless shape in one corner across from him, and he says, yeah, he uh he tried to escape. He he just kept throwing himself against the bars and trying to pry them apart, and they just kept shocking him until he he just laid down and died how big are these cells uh they're about seven feet square like enough to kind of move around in but not a ton of space for you and we don't know where we're stationary we don't know when someone's gonna come do anything with us yeah uh and there's uh the wooden structure that is next to these cells uh, you're outside as well yeah but is it like right up against the structure or no there there's a about a there's about a four or five foot gap between and as you're kind of, you know, taking your surroundings in and you've been, I'd say you've been awake for, you know, 10, 15 minutes at this point, you see kind of at the far end of the cells on the inner side, a guard starting to walk by and just is slowly walking through and uh, kind of taking inventory of everyone. And as he passes by your cell, you can see that it's a human man, completely hairless. And uh, he gives you just kind of the slightest glance as he walks by. Just He seems to be checking every cell. Barry, is that you? <laughs> uh, he, he ignores you. Uh, I 
would like to try to spit through the bars. I'm not spitting acid yet. I'm just like the guards walking by. I'm trying to. It'll seem like a show of derision. Okay. Hawking a loogie at his feet. But what I want to know is, does the spit go through the electricity? So you spit between the bars, and uh, this this bit of acid kind of. No, it's not acid. It's just saliva. Oh, it's just saliva. Uh, so you given that up. You get it right between the bars, and th- there's like a barrier spell that activates. That. That inches the from the bars, yeah, yeah. and uh, the spit just kind of lands back in your own cell, and the guard kind of looks back at you. He's a couple more down at this point, and he kind of looks back and shakes his head and keeps walking. But as he's starting to get around as far as you can see on the inside, suddenly you hear the sound of like a bunch of people running, a wall of guards forms itself on the outside of the cells uh, basically just one guard per cell you see this barrier spell on the outside drop and each one of these guards is carrying a spear and they point their spear toward you know inwards towards the cell and then behind you you hear this loud like shuddering noise and as you turn to look behind you you see that the inner wooden structure um, these doors that were kind of seamless before have opened and there's one for each cell and you can see on the other side of the door uh kind of a large round sand pit you can't really see very far past the door because of how but they're basically trying they're trying to hurt us into the arena so to speak exactly and um right after the shuddering noise and the opening you know happens um you notice that the magical enchantments on the other side of your cage kind of swing open and cut off, form a corridor yeah. between the backside of your cage and the uh, the is arena. Is a straight line, like backside of my cage to the door, or yep. is it like backside of the cage, you get out? No, it's a straight line. So you can't attack the others before you get inside. Exactly. Um, and you can see that it looks like um, on the other side of the door into the arena that there are some guards kind of standing around there as well just like right on the inside of the door as that opens up you notice as you're kind of looking down the line on either side that this doesn't happen to every cell it just happens to some of them did the elf and the dwarf did their cells open up no neither of their cells opened up and the uh the dwarf from where he's sitting on the ground kind of looks at you and he says well i wish you luck um i i hope to see you come back and as he says that, the back half of your cell pulls down into the ground rapidly. And as you see that, you notice that each side of the cell, what you thought were originally, you know, built on top of the ground is deep down into the ground. It, you know, you can kind of see the cracks in it. And uh, back half of your cell opens up and all of a sudden the guard that is standing in front of your cell on the other side starts to push his spear in and he says, get moving, get moving. He doesn't poke it directly at you first, but he, like, lets you know he can get it close to you. I shoot him a derisive glare, and then I casually saunter along the corridor. As you start to walk in, uh, as soon as you pass the Very threshold... Very casually, like, whistling as I will go. Okay. Uh, as you pass the threshold from your cell into this corridor, uh, the cell door slams back up and closed behind you. And the two guards that you could kind of see on either side of the door in front of you um, start to wave you in and say, hurry, hurry, hurry. I do not hurry. (laughs) Uh, They give you 
very angry looks as you finally make it through the door. But as you do, that door slams behind you as well. Uh, and it takes, you know, it's bright in front of you, but your immediate surroundings are kind of dark. So it kind of takes a second for your eyes to adjust. And you can see that there's a guard on either side of you. They've got swords drawn and they're pointing them directly at you. Um, and you can see between them and every other place that had opened up where there's now a person, you know, a, another inmate standing there, uh, there's at least 10 guards in between. Like they are ready We're for anybody to try some shit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and these two guards kind of motion you over to this other doorway that is leading into the arena itself. And you can see now that there's like a, a light chain link kind of fence, fencing over it. And next to it on the wall, there is a big rack of weapons. Uh, and the guard to your right says, inmate, choose your weapons before heading into the arena. You see, I mean, on this big rack, there is just about any weapon you could possibly want. I ignore the guard completely, but I walk towards the weapons. Uh, another one of the guards that's standing there pushes you back a little bit and pulls his sword as well. And he says, you'll tell us which weapons you want and we'll get them for you. How can I know if it is good without looking at it? You'll get the weapons you ask for. Their quality is what you get. Okay, knowing I'm not going to have the luxury of perusing. Yes. I tell them to get me a hand axe, a shield, a spear, and a sling and a skinning knife. Okay. Uh, the guards kind of look at each other and inmates are usually only l allowed I am not weapons. an inmate. I am Swifty. You seem like you'll put up a good fight, though. Go ahead and hand him those weapons. Someday I will eat your face. And uh, a couple of the guards run up and <laughs> grab the weapons you requested, bring them over to you. But you can see that none of the other people are coming in with weapons and they're all being handed weapons, at least as far as you can see down the hallways. Um, so you would imagine they're probably going to take them back from you when you're done here. How far are we away from each other, the other inmates? I mean, some of them are like 10 to 15 feet away. Others are, you know, like 30 and 40 feet separated. It just kind of, it, it seems like it's almost at random where they're placed. Is there a straight line between me and any of the others? No. Okay. <laughs> Going to get started a bit early was the idea. <laughs> uh, as, you know, you're getting your weapons situated. and oh, I can't believe I lost my knife. <laughs> buckling on your, yeah, all of your stuff is gone. Other such, than your basic armor. That was such a good knife. But yeah, you're, you're strapping your buckler on and uh, getting your spear situated on your back and kind of testing out this hand axe, giving it a couple swings. The guards next to you on either side are... Uh, the one on the left says, All right, inmate, get ready. And they pull a length of chain next to this uh, chain link kind of fencing, and it pulls up out of the way almost like a theater curtain. Mm -hmm. They start to push you from behind and poke you in the back with their, their swords a little bit. Question outside of play. Uh... I lost my muzzle, but the poison breath was gifted to me in like a oh yeah you have you have state. poison and acid breath okay just yeah double checking that yeah but yeah they push you out into the arena do you go willingly or are you gonna try and fight back against them or you no just... I go willingly at this okay. point I kind of understand what's going on okay. and I'm itching to kill something.
Welcome to Queer Dungeoneers. This is an unbearable experience. If someone was listening to this, they would say, this is pure silliness. <laughs> I'm going to turn into a really big cow. Moo. It is Baramos of the Fourth Circle. Free me from this orb. Do you have Baramos in your bag? No. You can tell me if you've got Baramos in your bag. No, I've got rations. You've got Baramos in your bag. No, I don't. Nim, what have you done? Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. Get it now. I am great and nothing can hurt me. Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. I'm here to tell you about a new sponsor that we have, LibrisArcana.com. They are a dice service that does monthly subscription boxes with dice in them. Every month you subscribe to them and you get a new set of dice. Their dice are amazingly designed and some of the prettiest dice we've seen. We were very lucky to secure a sponsorship with them. So what they'll be doing for us is if you go on Libris Arcana and subscribe to their monthly dice service, uh, you can get 20% off your first month subscription by using the code BEHOLDER at checkout. Once again, get on there, get your first month subscription, and you'll get 20% off with the code BEHOLDER. Put it in at checkout and you'll be good to go. Attention new agents. This is me, Dr. Byron Brimstone, director of the OMEN. That's the Office for Occult Monitoring, Examination, and Negation. I'm here to give you a short intro into the adventures of the OMEN Investigations team. Join us on a comedy role-playing podcast set in the modern world, where three agents travel the globe to deal with demons, cultists, and conspiracy theories. Follow the exploits of Koala Jackson, an amnesiac Australian with a dark history. Yeah. Annabelle St. John, a gun-sticking girl from the Deep South. Is it a gun cult or is it a pony cult? And Dr. Martin, a disgraced former professor from Sweden. I mean, I am from Sweden. If you like listening to people search for monsters, aliens, entities from beyond the void, and other such hoo-ha, then you should check out Omen Investigations on all good podcast apps. Bibstone out. Dolores, remind me why we're podcasting our top-secret operations again. Right. Podcasting is uh, becoming pretty ubiquitous, and there are a lot of services out there that offer podcast hosting, which is probably the most important part of podcasting, because if you don't have your podcast uh, hosted somewhere, nobody's ever going to hear it. (laughs) And we went through a few different podcasting hosts at the beginning of our show, and while we had pretty good experiences with all of them, we found that Shortwave is the best fit for our show. Shortwave is a podcast hosting, syndication, analytics, and dynamic content stitching platform built on the belief that professional-level podcasting tools should be available to everyone, not just professionals. And as we are sponsored by Shortwave, uh, you can go ahead and go over to their website, www goshortwave.com to start your free 14-day trial of hosting on Shortwave, which includes show and episode-level listener analytics, embeddable episode players, unlimited upload and download bandwidth, and two free hours of dynamic content stitching that helps you build your episodes from multiple clips, all in your browser. Again, you can go to www.goshortwave.com for a free 14-day trial of everything that Shortwave has to offer. Shortwave. The platform for adaptive podcasting.
So as you step out into the arena, um, you can tell that there is no top to it. The bright sun. Are there people in the stands? Well, at first, you know, the bright sun's hitting you in the eyes, and it, it takes a moment for your eyes to adjust, but you can hear the crowd before you see them, and this, the stands are completely full. The wall around the inside of the arena is about 15 feet tall and goes all the way around circular, uh, but there's openings every five feet. Uh, the arena itself is about 300 feet circular, so pretty big, um, and there seems to be at least a couple thousand people here watching this. But as you're coming out, directly across from you, there is kind of a grandstands that's built up a little bit higher than the rest of the seating. And you can see sitting in the center of it, a man um, that you don't recognize. You've never seen this man before, but he is draped in uh, crimson and black robes. And behind his hairless head, there is a giant eye emblazoned on the throne that he sits on. But sitting down in front of him um, at a row of chairs, there is um, four people that all kind of have these weird devices sitting in front of them. And as you're walking into the arena and everybody else is kind of coming in through their doors, uh, you hear a loud, booming voice and you see one of the people with these devices say, Welcome, everyone, to this morning's fight. We have a very exciting lineup planned for you today. Uh, we will be having all of our gladiators fight throughout the day. This is round one. As you can see, we've got a very interesting dragonborn specimen. And they point towards you. Uh, they say, uh, we've got three dwarves and points to your left and you can see coming out of, or standing in front of the doors to your left going around the the arena uh there are three different sized dwarves uh looks like one of them is a woman but they've shaved her head oh yeah that's the the, the other thing all of the races that have hair that they've captured they've shaved them clean everybody's bald pretty much um but you can see across the arena from you next to those three dwarves uh there are two half orcs and these two half orcs have scars running just all over their bodies like they are just a network of scars um and they as best you can tell are maybe twins and then next to them on the further side of the arena going to the right you see a treant there's a tree person um, they don't seem to be a very old tree because they're not very tall. Usually the older treants get to like 10, 15 feet. This one is only about six feet. Uh, next to that, there is two gnomes. And then immediately to your right, there's another dragonborn. This dragonborn is a uh, white dragonborn. And at first, you know, you, you take a uh, double take at that because white dragonborn are very rare. And on top of that, this seems to be a completely albino dragonborn, like pink eyes. Didn't we meet one like that earlier in the season? No. He was just kind of, no, he had the like interesting scales, but he was like blue green. This announcer had started on you, went through the dwarves, and he says, We've got the Crusher Brothers! And 
the two half orcs kind of raise up. They each have this big club in the, uh, one hand, and they raise him up and shake him while the crowd goes wild. Um, and he says, "And we also have some very weak-looking specimens, fit for the slaughter." And he kind of gestures to the person next to him, and uh, that person stands up, and it's you can see it's a woman after they stand up. Before, I mean, they're all hairless, but before she stood up, it was hard to tell her shape. But yeah, she's, she stands up, and you see that she's a woman, uh, and she says, Let the fight begin! And the, the crowd erupts in uproarious laughter and applause. The Crusher brothers immediately run out into the center and start to, they kind of put their backs to each other and they just kind of start to circle and wait for you guys to run in. The gnomes immediately group up and you can see them kind of talking to each other. Uh, the other dragonborn looks at you and kind of gives you like a headcock and... Like a hey? Like a, you want to fight together? Uh, I'll give her a nod, but not much more than that. Is it her or him? Um, it seems to be female. Yeah. I'll give her a nod, but I'm waiting for the other groups to interact before I decide where I'm going. To your left, the dwarves just immediately run at the half-orcs, screaming, and the half-orcs and the dwarves in the middle just start to get into this big fight, and it seems like the half-orcs are getting the upper hand there. But they're all involved, the two and the three. Uh, what's the white dragonborn doing? Um, she's just kind of getting closer to you, but also, you know, just keeping an eye on the fracas in the middle and keeping an eye on the, the gnomes. And the gnomes and the tree haven't done anything yet. No, the tree is actually just completely still at the moment. You can see that the tree has no weapons. He's trying very hard to be a tree. Of any kind. <laughs> um, how tightly grouped are the orcs and the dwarves? Oh, they're all right on top of each other. Um, at the moment, there is one of the or uh, half-orcs has put his club on his back, and he's got two of the dwarves by the back of their necks, and he's kind of smashing them together. Are they inside of, like, a five-foot square? Um, I mean, they're inside of, like, a ten-foot square. Okay, so I want to take my breath weapon, and I have a five-by-fifty-foot line, which I'm assuming I'm inside of if they're in the middle. Yeah. And I want to shoot it, like, right above their heads. So it falls on all of them. Okay. Do you have to make a attack roll for this? I don't those? think so, but I'm not sure. Well, there, it's it's a, it's, a it's your breath weapon, yeah, but you still have to like not miss. <laughs> Ten plus initiative, so fifteen. No, it's a thirty foot line. Sorry, so I might have to get closer. Oh, it's a dexterity save. Uh, we're going with acid. Try to get that so lingering just, save. Yeah, it's just in a dexterity save. Sorry, that's my. Uh, that is two nat ones yeah, so for both groups, so they, uh, they take it real bad. <laughs> and did the announcer ever say, like, what was the... Like, is this one to win it? No, this is just the first fight of the day. First fight, your first day, first fight of the day. I would like to walk over to the female dragonborn and confer with what she thinks she should... Well, do. roll me some damage on that. Acid uh, breath first. It is a uh, 3d6? Yep. It's one of these, correct? Yeah. Five... Six, eight. All right. Uh, so this acid that you kind of just on top of them. Yeah, that was the idea. Uh, it coats 
all five of these fighters at the same time and the dwarves uh start screaming and kind of clawing at where the acid hit them and uh but the the half orcs are just like oh yes pain true pain i motion to the white dragonborn i'm like your turn <laughs> what what you got uh she gives you kind of an apprehensive look and she's like I don't know if you really want me to do that. Dragons breathe death. Get to it. All right. And she turns and kind of like rears back a bit and let opens her mouth and kind of lunges forward. And you see this uh, rainbow prismatic beam come out of her mouth. Uh, and it hits one of the half orcs just dead center. And what do white dragonborn shoot? Don't exist. Okay. <laughs> so I'm making it up as I go. No, but uh, rainbows apparently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as this beam hits him dead center, he kind of freezes in place, and there's this weird shuddering effect to his movement for a minute, and then you see all these cracks start to form on his body, and he explodes outward, and in his place, uh, there's a duck. Oh, it's a chaos beam. That's could go backwards. And she looks at you and says, "Well, it worked that time. I don't know how many else, how many more of those I have in me, though. What weapons? It could go really bad. What weapons does she have? Uh, she has a short bow and um, four or five javelins strapped to her back. So at this point, she seems sort of subservient, in my opinion. Yeah. So I." point at her bow and I point at the gnomes and I'm like, shoot the gnomes! Okay. Nothing good ever came from a gnome! <laughs> and uh, then I point back at the dwarves and the orcs and I'm like, I will deal with this! Leave the tree people alone! Okay. Uh, There's gonna be a quirk. So she turns and starts just firing volleys of arrows at, at the these gnomes. gnomes. Uh, the gnomes... At this point, you you know, when she starts firing, you can see that they had kind of organized a bit and they were going towards the tree. And her first arrow catches the gnome in the back in the leg and he goes down and starts screaming and the other two gnomes spin around and you can see that they've got kind of half shields and short swords and they kind of form a little tent over the uh, the gnome that was hurt with their, sh their shields and try to defend from the arrows as best they can little tree person help the white one uh the tree doesn't look at you doesn't react doesn't do anything he just continues to stay Being there a tree. yeah i would like to turn back to the group of orcs and dwarves and hawk another loogie over the top of them this one like slightly lower so it's right in their faces okay uh i gotta make dick says. uh the half orcs see you coming and dive out of the way. I was really hoping the half-orcs was going to be the other dice. But the uh, the dwarves kind of are still freaking out about the, your first volley of acid. Um, and you catch all three of them directly in the face. And they fall backwards and are now like laying on the ground, screaming and clawing at their faces. Uh, but these two half-orcs half kind of pick themselves up and they're facing you and they both charge you at the same time uh the one on the left gets to you first and he take he pulls his club out from behind him takes a big old swing at you and um critically fails with a one uh so he's he's running full bore at you and he 
goes to swing this club down as he gets close to you, and you ninja-like dodge out of the way. And as he brings the swing down, he loses his balance and tumbles behind you and, like, sprawls out on the ground. The other orc, as he's running at you, tries to tackle you. Like, he's got his his club put away, and he, he tries to just come at you and tackle you in your midriff. Um, but he also completely misjudges when you dodged away from his brother you dodged away from him as well they have been acided so you rolled a four <laughs> yeah um a little forgiveness there and he ends up diving directly onto his brother and they kind of tangle up and are now both lying prone on the ground how far away from me are they uh, about five ten feet okay now taking this consideration i have not pulled any weapons yeah everything's still on my belt so i would like to like as the second brother falls past me, follow him whilst pulling my spear and then pin them both to the ground. Okay. Okay. Uh, make me a attack roll. It's <laughs> my hope. Come on, that one. I missed. What was that? A two. A two. <laughs> now, I imagine I still get the, to the attack. So what do you add for it? The initiative? So it'd be seven. Uh, you jump up as you see them kind of rolling over each other and try to bring your spear down into them uh, and just barely miss, but you end up landing on uh, the first brother's legs and you break one of his legs as you come down. He's, and he screams pretty loud. I proceed to jump up and down. <laughs> so while... Like we smashing it good while we're here. While this is happening, um, one of the gnomes tries to break away and take a run at the other dragonborn and as he does uh he gets a bit too close like she misses him a few times as he's running at her and he gets a bit too close and she lets loose another one of those rainbow prismatic blasts at him uh and it hits him and you see the same thing happen he kind of explodes but this time when he explodes outward um left in his place is a hellhound with like burning coal eyes, fire coming out is of it its a mouth. Is it a full hellhound or is it a gnome in a hellhound's body? No, it is a full hellhound. Okay, so no allegiance to the gnomes, no allegiance to anybody. No, and it immediately like takes one look at her and turns around and sees the gnomes and starts to chase the gnome that's still on his feet. Uh, and now the gnome and the hellhound are just kind of running around the outside of the uh, the arena and the entire crowd is in stitches. They are just laughing their asses off. They're loving it. Um, the tree does nothing. He just continues to stand there. Uh, but you notice that a couple of times when the gnome and the hellhound are making their rounds that anytime the hellhound's fire gets close to the tree, he kind of backs, like instinctively flinches away from it. Okay, I'm going to like jump back away from the crippled orc and put an eye on the other orc and see what he's doing. All right. Uh, the other orc uh, has kind of pulled himself to his feet next to you. Like he's up on one knee about to be standing up and he's pulling his club out um, ready to attack you. And I'm going to poison breath him. Okay. B20 with the added initiative. And the poison is 3d6 as well. But it's a lingering. Yeah, poison, it does like two damage every round. Right, six. Um, so you catch him with your, your poison breath, and uh, he reels back from it and kind of steals himself and spits out like this big nasty green and black bloodish loogie. And he rears back his club. 
Fuck, I'm not going to use that dice anymore. And drops it. I rolled a three, three fucking times with that dice in a row. I'm done with it. Uh, yeah, he he's like half blinded it's a very from the poison. Club. He's still trying to like push through it though, and uh, he brings down the club onto his brother's rib cage. Like he just narrowly misses you, but he ends up just smashing his brother's rib cage in, uh, and his brother from the ground lets out like a. <gasps> Wheezing noise. Uh, oh, you hit me! Do it again. <laughs> uh, and he does. He rears back and he takes another swing. Um, God, I need new dice. That's a five. Uh, he misses you again, but this time um, it ends up he trips over his brother and kind of goes ass over tea kettle on the other side. And half the crowd is like loving this. The other half of the crowd is like booing you. Yeah, fuck the crowd. They're not happy about uh, their, their favorite champions. How far from me did he fall? Like, did he fall on my feet, or is he a ways away? Oh, he's like 15 feet. Like, he rolled for a minute and then kind of got back up. Like, okay. he... He's standing at this point. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, the gnome um, and the hellhound that are making circles around the outside come close to the other dragonborn, and you see her very quickly. Like, she's been tracking them. As they're running around, and she just very quickly lets out two quick arrows and catches the gnome in the eye socket and the hellhound in the eye socket. The gnome is much more affected by it. He goes down immediately. The hellhound kind of yelps and rolls for a second and then gets back up and jumps on the gnome and starts just tearing into the gnome. And the, the smell of burnt flesh starts to permeate the air. (laughs) <laughs> Smells like mama made. <laughs> uh, so, as this is happening, uh, the orc on the ground is it's just wheezing uncontrollably, and the one that is about you know ten fifteen feet away from you picks himself up, and he looks like he's about to charge you again, and you see the first real movement from the tree, and he just kind of picks up one hand slowly. And then very quickly drops it back down. And you see his hand just rocket under the ground, make this zigzagging pattern, and come up directly between the other half orc's legs. And it comes up out of the ground with such force that it splits this orc in half cleanly. Uh, and then just as quickly as it happened, sucks back. And the tree just goes back to standing completely still. And almost uh, I, lifeless. I look at the tree and I give him a nod of respect and I say, I am Groot! A single leaf falls from his canopy, which seems to kind of be his hair, uh, and hits the ground and he gives you the barest hint of a suggestion of a nod. Uh, <laughs> almost as if a, a very slight breeze came in and ruffled his leaves so for a second. So the orcs and the dwarves are essentially done at this point, right? Yes. The gnomes were taken out by the white dragonborn. The hellhound is whimpering on the ground. The hellhound is eating into one of the no- is eating into the last gnome. Uh, there's one gnome on the ground just like with an arrow through his leg screaming bloody murder. Uh, and as soon as the hellhound kind of gets through the first gnome, he runs over to that one and just starts taking him down. Uh, but as he starts to do that, uh, the white dragonborn looks over at you and she's like, can't get much worse. And she blasts the hell ba- or the hellhound with one of those rainbow... I would have said yes. Yes, it can. <laughs> totally get worse. But as, as this 
prismatic blast hits the hellhound um you can see that it 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 doesn't explode like the other ones does or had uh it implodes and you see this dark thread of energy come back up the prismatic rainbow blast and back into the dragonborn and she gets knocked back into the wall uh, and just kind of lays there motionless for a minute and then kind of twitches and opens her eyes and it's just ow that hurt i would like to run over like i'm going to check on her yeah and like get down like reach with one hand to check her pulse while the other hand pulling my hand out out of my back and basically like behead her against the wall Holy shit, okay. As you do this, the entire crowd erupts in cheers. And the man that was sitting up in the throne immediately stands up and starts applauding you. Uh, and they've kind of all seemed to have forgotten that the tree's even there. And one of the other announcers, one of the four announcers, uh, the one on the far right end, stands up and he's like, we have a new victor! And they cheer for you. Which I'm basking in. But it only lasts about a minute and then before all of the doors circling the arena on the bottom open up and guards just flood in. Uh, and they start taking away the dead bodies. You can see uh, a group of like five guards surrounding the tree and they just kind of like slowly test it with their spears and it doesn't lash out at them, but it just turns and slowly walks back through, ducks down under the door. Before they get to me, I don't have time to take her face and she wasn't technically my opponent, mm -hmm. but I do want to take a fang for a necklace. Okay. Um, the guards surround you and they immediately, um, you know, shove spears in your face and a couple of the guards come in and start to pull your weapons off of you. Um, they don't notice you palm the, the fang. Uh, but they do, you know, they take all this gear that you just got and they start to lead you back through your door and into your cell. I allow this. As soon as you get back into the cell, the door slams behind you. The magical enchantments all reappear and close on the other side. And the uh, wooden door across from your cell closes. Um, and you can see that you were only in there for like maybe 10 minutes. Like this was fast. And as soon as that happens... All of a sudden, a bunch of other doors pop open, people are shuffled in, and this happens throughout the rest of the day, going until late into the morning. Is the dwarf still there? Uh, the dwarf has made it through the day. He had one fight about midday and came back pretty bloodied, but... Alive. Alive. Um, but after this first day, you can tell that nobody gets out of fighting, and... Not necessarily everyone who wins kills everybody else, but these fights just kind of end at arbitrary points. As far as you can tell, sometimes half the people who went out to fight will come back perfectly fine, but one person just doesn't. So maybe they had a spectacular death and that appeased the masses. You don't know. This same routine repeats itself every day for the next month. So at the end of the first month, you and about 15, 20 other prisoners are pulled from your cells in the middle of the night. Um, that dwarf that was right next to you is not one of them, though. Um, and this group, as they kind of push you together and you're all a bit groggy, you can see that they've got a pretty huge contingent of guards for this move. Um, and they shuffle you onto um, 
this interesting like giant steel transport that's being pulled by these very large alien looking creatures like nothing you've ever seen before um they kind of look like giant hairless bears but with heads almost the size of their bodies and no eyes and just kind of have like mouths filled with tentacles but this transport brings you um as best you can tell you know you're you're on it for a good like 15 20 minutes can i get a guard's attention during this time um no they'll just ignore you i I mean several of the inmates are trying to you know act up and they're they're beating people down and pushing them around and I'm just quite they curious. Don't care. For a church of the open eye, <laughs> why are the bears blind? <laughs> um, but you're you're transported for about fifteen to twenty minutes to another location, and this transport kind of backs up against a wall. Like there's a a nice thunk when it stops, and the back door of it drops open. And you can see that there are, you know, contingency of guards standing there and they start to funnel everybody into this holding area. And as you come in, you can see that it's basically you're you're no longer outside. You seem to be in the lower level of a building um, because you don't see any windows. The only light in the room is coming from torches circling the walls. Um, But it's another giant round space um, and it seems to have been dug out and created recently uh, within the last couple of months but the space itself is is open save for a smaller ring in the middle that is just seems to be solid steel all the way around the outer walls there's openings every like 20 to 30 feet uh, and this entire space seems to be about 400 feet in diameter. As you're you're coming into this space, you notice that there are kind of makeshift beds all over the place. There's places where there's seems to be different gangs of people grouped up. Um, and this seems to be a little bit more hardcore of a fighting pit that they've brought you to. Um, a lot of the guys there are, you know, scarred and missing eyes, missing limbs. Um, but all seem to be some of the toughest motherfuckers you've ever seen in your life. Um, as they get everybody off of this transport, the guards pile into the back of the transport and close the door. And as soon as the door closes, another steel shutter comes down behind it, and you're now encased in this place with all the other gladiators. Um, immediately, you see the crowds kind of part and... Coming through this part in the crowds, there is a dragonborn. He's about, he looks to be almost 10 feet tall. He's huge, muscled. He wears just simple kind of brass armor. And as he kind of walk, as he walks through the crowd towards you, you see that he's got a contingency of... What color? Uh, he is black as well. Um, you see that he's got a contingency of thugs following him and everybody around them like won't look at him their eyes are kept to the floor um and a lot of people are kneeling but as he comes through the crowd towards you and the the group of new guys that just showed up with you um he walks directly up to you and he says welcome brother i give him a curt nod okay he says 
You've made it through to the real fighting pits now. Are you ready to get your claws wet with the blood of your enemies? I give him another nod. Good. Everyone in here is your enemy, including me. And he puts a, one of his hands on your chest and just pushes you back into the people behind you. And, the, the, and he lets out a hearty laugh and all of his, his stooges laugh with him. He shoves me back into a crowd of people that we brought with us, right? Yeah, knocks some of them on their asses and a couple of them kind of caught you and kept you from falling down. I glare back at him. Uh, he he just kind of chuckles and he says, fresh meat for everyone. <laughs> and turns around and, or well, he kind of pushes his way through the new guys, um, pushing a couple of them more on their ass and just makes his way through the crowd and he kind of disappears. I try to find a wall or something that'll guard my back and then I observe the room. I don't want to make any moves right now. So as you're sitting there and, and looking around, you see that a lot of the people that came in with you um, go and kind of group up with their own races. Uh, there's a lot of dwarves here. A few half-orcs, some elves, some gnomes, some halflings, a few tabaxi. Genie. No, you don't see any gin. The tabaxi are the cat, cat people. people. Yeah. There are a few kenku, which kind of give you a little bit of a pang. Did the tree person make it? Uh, yes. Yes, and he seems to be the only treat around. Um, and as soon as he came in, he posted up uh, kind of in the middle of the space within, you know, 10 feet of the entrance and just is just standing there. Like, he, he he's looking as much of a tree-like as he ever has, <laughs> just doing nothing. Possible I want to maneuver, so I'm near the tree. Okay. Uh, the tree, as people walk by, and um, you can see that there are a few of the other gladiators that try to come up and fuck with it a little bit. Um, he will whip out a tendril from one of his branches and just lacerate anyone that tries to fuck with him quickly and severely enough that it's it keeps them from messing with him more, but not bad enough that, like... They need medical attention or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, like, just a light slice. Yeah. Uh, just a, hey, don't fuck with me. I'll cut you. Um, but as you get closer, you see that he doesn't really try to lash out at you in any way. He doesn't quite see you as a threat at the moment. Because um, I imagine you wouldn't just go up and try to stab No, him. no, I'm just going to go <laughs> like sit five to six feet from him. The next month goes by pretty quickly in kind of a blur of blood and fighting and death and you make it through every combat that you're put into in this second month there are a few that are close calls where you're left with a few new scars and a bit of blood loss <laughs> let's put it that way um, but over the second month the you and the tree tend to stay next to each other uh, and the tree will actually, after he is forced out to fight, um, will come back and, and find you wherever you are and provide you with shade. Let's put it that way. Um, even though there's there's no sunlight. But the arena itself, what happens when you're brought in for the fights this month, um, that center area, a metal door will open up and five or six very elite looking guards will come in and they will pick people out they'll bring them in the shutter will close and it raises up 
and it raises up. Uh, and they arm you while you're in the elevator. In the second month, you've not only fought other inmates and uh, well, other gladiators, you've fought several strange creatures that you've never seen before. Um, there was one that was at least four times the size of a normal man, completely covered in fur with a, a very l like large tuft of fur around its head, but its head was just a massive eyes. Uh, and it had these very long talon-like claws um, and was just ripping people up left and right. Are you just making it up or are you just an actual creature? No, I'm just making it up. Okay. Um, but you were able to best it with the help of um, a couple of gnomes and halflings. Uh, and you guys were able to kind of outsmart it and pull it into a trap while... And the, uh, the halflings in... Uh, gnomes held it down while you dealt the killing blow um and that was kind of like you got known by the crowd as being the eye killer so from that point on anytime you would come out the ch the the crowd would chant ah killer ah killer but the second month there's a little bit of trouble in paradise <laughs> um that large dragonborn you've seen kind of rules this place he has a completely undefeated record, loves to go around and brag about it, pushes people around, anyone he sees as smaller than him or weaker than him. Um, but you've noticed that he hasn't fucked with the tree at all. Things tend to get pretty tense at one point towards the end of the month between the two of you. And so he, one day during, uh, during lunchtime, you're you know sitting over by the tree you're back to him sitting in the shade eating your food and the the other dragonborn comes up and he just knocks your food tray out of your hand and you can see that the tree starts to raise up a couple of his branches a bit in a defensive stature but as he does this the dragonborn he kind of clicks over his shoulder and, and you see another dragonborn that you kind of seen around here and there but like not very often seems to be pretty shady uh he is red very skinny very small but very quick and agile and he kind of comes up around the other dragonborn and makes this gurgling noise in the back of his throat and as he does that um smoke starts to billow out from his nostrils and he opens his mouth and lets out this very like small but constant stream of flame does he hit the tree with it? No. It's enough. He's basically just threatening the tree with it. And the tree kind of backs off. And that the big dragonborn looks down at you and he says, The guards have told me we're going to fight soon, little man. I am not a man. I am a dragon. And I will eat your face. Well, you can certainly try, brother. But as you know, I have an undefeated record in the arena i am not scared but but i do might be having a little bit of a cold coming on and i would like to like pretend like i'm coughing into my hand and then hawk acid at his red friend <laughs> all right all right uh his red friend sees through your ruse and jumps out of the way um and kind of makes makes like a <gasps> noise and a little bit of flame comes out and 
just barely singes some of the tree's leaves, and the tree kind of recoils back from that a bit. This big dragonborn just laughs at you and, <laughs> you've certainly got spirit. Maybe you can make your na a name for yourself here, other than eye killer. <laughs> and uh, he turns around and walks away. The next morning, you're shaken awake by two guards that kind of pull you up onto your feet and they say, I kill her. It's your lucky day. Guess who you're going to fight? And as they say that, they push you into the... Yamada! <laughs> they push you into the, the middle area and the steel trap shuts behind you. And you can see standing directly across from you that big dragonborn. And as the platform raises up into the middle of the arena, you hear their announcer say, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting and exciting fight ready for you today. A true title fight, if there ever was one. In one corner, we have the Eye Killer. And you hear a swell of applause from the crowd. In the other corner, we have our greatest and mightiest champion, One-Eyed Crow. And you hear an even louder swell of applause and cheer from the stadium. And the sun is about halfway overhead as you come in, and you can see as this platform fully clicks into place that it lights the Colosseum perfectly in every detail is almost excruciating at this point everything is you can see dust floating in the air swirling around with the air currents and on the ground in front of you uh, there are your weapons of choice and as you're scooping them up you hear the heavy footfalls of one-eyed kroll running directly at you That's a wrap, people.